We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is Will McFadden. He's a host of the Believe in Falcons podcast. He's also a writer for the Falcoholic. Does a good job covering the Atlanta Falcons, which are the Chicago Bears. Week 11 opponent here um, on Sunday. And, Will, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, of course, Zach. Excited to uh, talk about this matchup. And, you know, welcome Justin Fields back home to uh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Justin Fields talked about it today. He grew up a Falcons fan. His dad had season tickets. And uh, it was kind of interesting to let him, you know, talk about it as much as he did. But he said Matt Ryan, Julio Jones were his favorite players. He didn't really get Mm -hmm. too much into it. But, yeah, that I mean, that's definitely a storyline going into this game. I, I I guess overall to start, the Falcons are are um, kind of in a rebuild in my eyes as well. Um, I, I think they have some really good and, and key pieces they can build around. What is the state of the franchise right now um, for Atlanta as we go here to, in Week Eleven? Yeah, it's a great place to start because in a lot of ways, this season really can be kind of like a glass half full or glass half empty type of deal, depending on your expectations going into it. And I was just talking with somebody earlier today about, you know, they felt like, Hey, four and six, you know, I didn't necessarily expect us to be here with this or at this point in the season. And I kind of was like, well, I did. I just felt that the last couple of games, um, you know, against Carolina against LA, you know, before, before before that game, Carolina, again, they won that game, but they've, lost two of their last three and and I thought given the difficulty of their first seven games that they could be four and six but that they probably would have won two of their last three and instead they were four and four coming out of week eight their hardest games were kind of ahead or behind them their easiest stretch was ahead of them and so from that standpoint four and six looks a little bit disappointing but the macro macro view is this team is still financially really, really hindered with the players that you just mentioned, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, guys like that who aren't on this roster, but are still counting massively against Atlanta's salary cap. And so big picture wise, everybody kind of knew that for that reason, 
Atlanta was going to have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, and they have had one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Um, but going into year three, I think there is a lot of optimism because of the caliber of play and kind of the cohesive team play that Atlanta has had for most of the season with what a lot of people perceive to be lesser talent. And so that's a testament to the coaching staff, to the front office. And so now I think everybody's just excited to see what they can do when they really can take a big crack at free agency, um, which they have not yet been able to do. Yeah. And they're kind of in an interesting spot this season, as you mentioned, I mean, they're in, in that weak NFC South. I thought after, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I thought they were going to be the team to come out of the NFC South. Obviously they stumbled here against uh, Carolina last week. What is their mindset going forward? Is it, we're kind of playing with house money this year. Maybe we can sneak in. Um, looks like Tampa Bay might be figuring some things out. Carolina is always uh, kind of a weird team. Is it, is it just house money or is it maybe let's, um, you know, tr not try to lose, but maybe let's, you know, it'd be better if, if we got a higher draft pick in the upcoming draft. I don't think that the team and from day one, Arthur Smith and, and, the team have said, you know, we're here to compete. And even though a lot of people thought last year, frankly, their first year, that was going to be the year they kind of tear it down, but they don't. They keep Matt Ryan around, you know, Calvin Ridley's there at that point, Deion Jones, they, they kept a lot of the holdovers. Um, and this year was the big ex exodus, but even Matt Ryan was still kind of, I think, in their plans before all of the Deshaun Watson stuff unfolded the way that that did. So I don't think that the Falcons ever had any intentions of coming into the season saying, look, if, if the ship kind of bottoms out or if things start going south, that then we're solely focused on getting the best draft pick because the Falcons, they've had two top 10 draft picks. You know, I, I think that they are ready to not be picking in that range of the draft. I think they're ready to be playing competitive football at the end of December. I think they're ready to be playing in January and hopefully into February and in this league, like very few coaches and, and front office people get to be around to reap the benefits of the losing seasons, which are those higher draft picks. So, no, I, I think that while we can pull out and say, hey, the narrative and just where they are financially and all of that stuff, that we know kind of the range of, of wins and losses that they can have just purely based on on field ability. But their job is to figure out the answers to those problems. And, and that is where I do think that they've done a pretty commendable job, given the difficulty of the problems that they faced and the way that they've been at least competitive in, in a lot of the games that they've lost. So I don't think you're going to see this team kind of quit anyway uh, over the next few games. Like even if the, even if everything goes poorly and they lose out, I think you're still going to see them give their best shot uh each game here on out. This next question is kind of a two-parter here because one player that's really intriguing to me is Kyle Pitts, the, the former Florida star um, who was drafted number four overall in the 2021 NFL draft. I, I kind of want to start there for a team like the Falcons where they were at. Um, did you think maybe it was a reach to go Kyle Pitts there at four, especially with someone like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, um, Panay Sewell was there. And then obviously you know, Justin Fields was still around um, for that pick. And I would argue, you know, I, I think Atlanta probably should have taken a young quarterback. I know they did with Desmond Ritter, uh, but the Matt Ryan era was kind of pretty much ending. And um, I guess the follow-up to that is what has kind of been the vibe with Pitts in, in Atlanta? From, from an outsider's perspective, 
it kind of feels like it's, it's not worked out so far in the in the first year and a half. Um, is it more on him or is it more on maybe they're just not targeting him enough? Maybe they're not targeting him in the red zone enough. What's kind of been the situation there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think that... From the get-go, Terry Fontenot, the general manager, has has said that their philosophy is going to be you draft the, you draft the best players that you can, that you address your needs in free agency with, with proven NFL talent where you have direct one-to-one comparisons and there's no projection involved. In the draft, it's all projection. And so their kind of goal is just let's get the best ball of clay that we can and we'll go from there. I kind of thought after all the Julio stuff went down right before the uh, 2021 draft that maybe Jamar Chase sneaks in there and that they just kind of replenish that number one proven X receiver and and you go kind of get Matt Ryan, who was still there at the time, like that proven piece to go alongside of Calvin Ridley. And and there maybe you just don't lose anything. I, I think I would have loved to have had Jamar Chase as a rookie. I think all of us would have. Um, but Kyle Pitts was certainly understandable from that perspective, Justin Fields, a lot of people here in Atlanta wanted him. Certainly there was that homegrown connection. Again, I, I kind of, I wonder where the Falcons were internally in their timeline, what their goals were versus what the outside narrative was and what outside expectations were, because it's so easy to say, tear it all down, trade Matt Ryan, go with the new quarterback, just start with the quarterback. I think what we've seen in Chicago the last couple of years, honestly, if, if, San Francisco doesn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe we're seeing something similar over there where it's these kind of teams that seemed and and Chicago was in a very different spot roster wise from San Francisco. So it's not a true one to one comparison. But I think you would see the limitations that a young quarterback kind of thrown in there from the beginning really does have. And so I think the Falcons are kind of trying to build a really good roster and then plug in that quarterback element. Uh whether it's free agency or whether it is a, a young quarterback and a draft pick. So getting back to Kyle Pitts, though, I, I think that what you're seeing this year has certainly been disappointing. Some of that, as you mentioned, is a product of the offense. They're just simply not throwing the ball enough to really have a sustainable, certainly not in a, a fantasy era where everybody is kind of like tight end two, tight end four. Like, who are we talking about each week? They are not throwing the ball nearly enough to sustain the type of volume that we would be used to seeing from a player of Kyle Pitts's caliber. I think what we saw from him as a rookie where he had over a thousand yards, 
Only one touchdown, but he was certainly uh, drawing a lot of attention from defenses. What I saw in the preseason and in training camp, he is a great player. He is a, a really, really, really talented player in this league, even among really, really, really talented players. So I think that this more has to do with the style of Atlanta's offense. He has been a great blocker this year, which is not something that I expected, but it is a testament to how he can grow and develop as a player. Now, recently, I think as we've had 10 games to evaluate, there is a disconnect between him and Mark, uh, Marcus Mariota. I can't figure out what it is. They have not been able to get on the same page. There was an overthrow to Kyle Pitts in the Chargers game that should have been a touchdown that should have probably won Atlanta that game. Uh, whether that was on Kyle Pitts, you know, not being in the place where he needed to be or Marcus not hitting him. Certainly the one on Thursday night that all of America saw or only 6.5 million Americans, uh, according to Nielsen. So not that many. I'm glad people didn't need to watch that. Go do better things with your lives. Uh, just an overthrow of Kyle Pitts, a wide open play action pass that he simply missed. And we're seeing him start to force the ball to Kyle Pitts a little bit more. We're seeing him miss Kyle Pitts when he should have an easy path to him. So Kyle Pitts is going to take a lot of heat, I think, as people look at the totality of this season and the box score. I don't put that so much on Kyle Pitts as much as the situation that he's been in. I still have very high hopes for him as a player, uh, but we need to start seeing everything around him get where it needs to get going because we're going to come up on year three of him as a rookie. Yes, he's got that fifth year option, but you'd like to get the best out of Kyle Pitts, you know, while he's still young and, and while he's here in Atlanta. For, for Sunday's game, how do you expect the Falcons' offense to attack this Bears' defense? Now, Bears' defense, the, the, the run defense is not very good at all. The secondary is, is, is good, but it you know kind of struggled last week a little bit and the week before. How do you expect Atlanta to kind of uh, attack them come Sunday? Atlanta's going to do what it's going to do offensively. Um, and its bread and butter is, is the run game. I expect that to be the case. Uh, you know, yet again, I, I think that Atlanta kind of similar to the way that they were on the receiving end of a really motivated and aggressive uh, game from the Carolina Panthers in the trenches. I kind of expect Atlanta to come out fired up on the offensive and defensive line and look to, you know, attack a, a Chicago defensive line that is certainly not as formidable as it once was. And without Roquan Smith there, I think that the running backs are going to have some space to operate with. They can certainly take advantage of that space. Cordero Patterson, you know, I expect him to get plenty of, of run uh, against his former team here. The secondary, you know, when I look at certainly the safeties, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, I think that those two guys are the strength of this team. Uh, and I know that they kind of like to fly around and, and have an eye for the football. I Wonder if, because, you know, as much as or as little as Atlanta throws the football, when they do, they like to take their shots. They like to push it down the field. And has the the results of the past couple of weeks where they've not been successful doing that and in a lot of ways that has cost them some games? Like, at what point did they say, okay, we need to rein this in a little bit and maybe not try for the 35-yard shot play over top. Let's just get a 15-yard gain here. I wonder if this is the week that they do it. But frankly, I, I don't expect the passing game to be a huge part of Atlanta's offensive attack in this one. I really do expect them to just get back to basics, run the football, whether that's with Marcus Mariota or one of the you know four running backs that they have at their disposal. 
uh, so be it. But I think you're going to really see them go to the ground game a lot against Chicago's defense. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then flipping it over to the other side of the football, obviously the talk here in Chicago is Justin Fields. I mean, we've never seen anything like this at the quarterback position. Um, It's just been dreadful since he got here or or until he got here. I'm sorry. It's been dreadful until he got here. Um, (laughs) How do you think Atlanta could slow him down? Because, because I looked last week and I think anyone that watched Justin Fields against the Dolphins pretty much knew what the bears game plan was going to be against the lions. And that was, they were going to do the same thing. They were going to try a lot more designed runs. They were going to get him out the pocket moving first play design run. He picks up like 15 yards. It was like the lions weren't even ready for it. Will Atlanta be ready for that? And and how can they kind of slow that down? Is there someone fast enough you can maybe put a spy on? Um, will they bring the pressure? What do you expect from Atlanta's defense? I think the emphasis this week is really, really, really going to be on discipline. Um, I think across the board, the key to beating such an athletic player, especially at the quarterback position, isn't so much with athleticism, kind of fire and fire. It's It's mentally. It is, we're going to take away all of the space on the field where you can operate. And, you know, we're going to, I think they're going to try to force the ball out of his hand uh, more so than go get him in the backfield, right? I think what you saw against Miami, and there's uh, one player in particular where I, I, you know, I think Justin gets maybe 12 yards on like a third and nine or something. And, And that is what I think Arthur Smith is terrified of. He has been very complimentary of Justin Fields and the Bears ability to extend drives on third downs because of uh, his athleticism. And I think that this play against Miami really exemplifies what can go wrong. And they have a great pressure on Justin Fields. But one of the defensive tackles gets upfield, gets a little too far, doesn't make the tackle. He sidesteps it and then comes around. If you watch the all 22 end zone angle, you see the linebacker that is spying on Justin Fields and one of the other defensive linemen literally moving like they are tethered together because they're both chasing where Justin Fields is. And then he makes one cut back and both players are out of position because they're running to where he is instead of staying where they should be and kind of containing where he could be. And so that's what I think you're going to see Atlanta really focus on. I think you're going to see them rush not to get to Justin Fields, but rush to just keep him there, rush to contain him. And every time he tries to like find a weakness in this force field, they're going to try to just bounce back, keep him in a ball and make him beat you with his arm or make him make one hell of a play. 
You know, if, if he's able to do that and he's good enough to do that and he's going to do that at times on Sunday, you tip your cap and you make him do it again. But you make the Bears kind of march down the field. You play really, really well on third down in the red zone if the Bears get there. But I think the Falcons are very concerned about little mental lapses, uh, allowing him an escape route to then keep drives going or, heaven forbid, a big kind of field flipping 53 yard run. Because the Falcons have given up a, a few explosive plays on some critical third downs uh, during this poor little stretch that they've been on. And Justin Fields can do that better than anybody. So I really think that instead of, hey, we're going to go get him on the ground, it's more let's make him get the ball to other guys. We'll take our chances with a Cole Komet. We'll take our chances with a David Montgomery. We just don't want to let Justin Fields get loose. Here in Chicago, we um, we kind of refer to Atlanta, Chicago South, in terms of the number of players that you know former Bears players have gone down to Atlanta and followed. Um, Will there be Phil Emery over the past couple of years, and now Ryan Pace? What do you know about Ryan Pace's involvement with the um, Falcons front office, and maybe how have some of the former Bears players done down there? I know um, Cordell Patterson done pretty well. Is there anyone else that's kind of stood out or surprised you at all? Um, not so, so much from a, a former bears, uh, perspective. I mean, Cordero's the, the big one. Um, I, I think that Abdullah Anderson was, was a bear, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's played pretty well. Um, so I think he's, he's somebody else. Lorenzo Carter, uh, I've been very impressed with this season, uh, but he hasn't necessarily like jumped off the page at you. Uh, the Ryan pace of it all. I really, I, from what I understand, it's an advisory kind of role. I, I don't think I think that the reason there's a lot of bears on this roster, um, a and the, you know, this isn't a dig at, at a lot of them, but I think they were relatively inexpensive compared to everybody on the open market. And like I said, Atlanta had a tighter pocketbook. There's also just a greater level of familiarity with a lot of the coaching staff and and members of the front office here. So they're able to say specifically, here's this player's strengths. Here's this player's weakness. Here's how we can use them. And when you are building a little bit of a budget team, I think that that's very valuable. It also allows them to kind of get up to speed a little bit quicker because you already have that working shorthand um, between the coach and the player. So those I think are all strengths, even though a lot of people would say like, why are the Falcons just getting a bunch of former bears players? Like the bears haven't been very good recently. So like, why are those the guys that you want? And then Ryan Pace, I think, has just been a little bit of, hey, I've been here before. You know, I, obviously, Terry Fondo trusts his advice. I don't think that that means that just because he is a former GM, you're listening to it 24-7. But you want to get as many people with as many different perspectives in a room who can kind of speak from experience through the exact same focal point that you're currently looking at as a general manager. And so that's one of those where I don't know Ryan Pace, the person. I don't know his personality, all that stuff. Just from a strategic standpoint, I think a lot of it is kind of that. We just want the experience. We want to be able to rely on you a little bit as a as a consultant, an advisor, certainly for a first-time GM. And my final question before we let you go, we ask every guest this. Give us an X factor for the game and then your score prediction for Sunday. Yeah, um, I think my X factor on uh, the Falcon side, and it would have been, honestly, I think my X factor... For for a bear side as well, but you know Khalil Herbert being out 
I think is going to be huge from a special team standpoint for Chicago. Now, I, I think he's a great, great running back, but he's been recently really kind of getting some big returns off. Uh, so from Atlanta standpoint, I think Avery Williams, who is massively underrated, I think, in the return game, especially as a punt returner. I, I don't think he has had a punt return shorter than five yards all season long, which I think he's the only player in the NFL to have that uh, certain distinction. He leads the NFL uh, with almost 20 yards per return on punt returns. So I think he's uh, a lot of fun. Um, I would I would give you a defensive player because I think it's going to come down to somebody like, you know, a Troy Anderson, a uh, rookie linebacker who ran a 4-4, um, who they could match up with a Justin Fields. He's got kind of that size and that speed, but he's a rookie, and that's a really tough challenge. Michael Walker, Richie Grant, same kind of deal, but those are three names defensively if you guys just want to um, – kind of keep track of, of some guys who they could throw at Justin Fields to slow him down. My final score prediction, oh, it's always so tough because, you know, like the Falcons offense for so long there had been putting up over 24. So I felt very comfortable being like 28 to whatever. Now they've not been doing so hot. That being said, I think Atlanta is going to do a good job of kind of sticking to their guns here, putting points on the board. I'm going to say 27 to 19. Atlanta in this one. Awesome. Good stuff, Will. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? At Will McFadden. Nice and uh, nice and easy. And then when Twitter goes away, I have no idea where you can find me, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep you updated uh, somehow, some way. Awesome. Good stuff, Will. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime.